and welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian, coming to you from Kidology.org, where our mission is to equip and encourage you in your ministry to kids. Today's podcast is sponsored by 456, the ultimate amazing best ministry to preteens. Yes, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And this week is their online conference. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Welcome to the brand new Kidology podcast studio. If you're watching the video, the Kidology cam, uh, you get a little glimpse at it. In fact, I'm going to turn and show you the whole room here. But no, this is not just a Kidology podcast studio. This is the podcast studio at my church. So I finally decided to quit driving the Pinto and just go use the Ferrari that's parked here at my church and take the quality of Kidman Talk up a notch. Today we're going to be talking about the best of both worlds. I'm going to be sharing what I have learned from six months as a youth pastor. That's right. For the last six months, I stepped up, did youth on top of kids, enjoyed it very much. I'll be sharing the best youth ministry strategy ever developed, not by me, but you got to listen to that. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, and get ready because it is time for Kidman Talk. Hey, and I actually timed that pretty good. I always try to time the intro right there to the music. Yes, um, last fall, our youth pastor stepped up to become our lead pastor. He'd been a lead pastor in the past, a church planner, very talented guy, but the Lord had sensed him, or uh, he had sensed the Lord leading him to our church. He came on board as an associate youth pastor, rocked it, did a great job. But when our lead pastor took off, um, he eventually, after a thorough process and everything, was invited to step up as the lead pastor and has been enthusiastically embraced by the body here. But that left a cavity in youth ministry, and uh, Pastor Caleb actually uh, didn't want to ask me to step up. He was really cool because he knew that kids was rocking and kids was going great, and he didn't want to mess with that. But I noticed he was still doing youth and now leading the whole church. So I went to him and said, hey, Caleb, you want me to do it? And he's like, oh, I've been hoping you'd ask. So I've had a great time, but we have just hired a new youth pastor. He just started about a month ago, and we've been overlapping and transitioning. And as of tonight, I was officially out. I'm, I'm kind of sad about it, but I'm really excited about the future of our youth ministry as we now have a full-time youth pastor, Pastor Forrest, who will be focused on those kids and be able to do so much more than I could do doing youth on top of my load. And I mentioned in the intro, I'm now in this awesome new podcast studio. You know, our former lead pastor, Gene Roncone, was he's like my podcast hero. He's like the ultimate podcaster, always doing interviews, traveling around the country. And he has stepped up now into a denominational role where he's equipping, encouraging pastors all over the Utah and the Colorado district of our denomination. And I just want to give a shout out to Gene Roncone. In fact, if you love leadership podcast, you got to go to GeneRonCone.org. Gene, you know how to spell that, G-E-N-E, his last name, Roncone, R-O-N-C-O-N-E.org. And there you can see him, a picture of him in the studio, and you can click around and find the various podcasts that he does. Or you can even just Google Gene Roncone podcast, and you'll get a ton of results because he's awesome. So he had developed this incredible podcast studio um, where we can do phone calls and multiple people, um, but I can take the quality up and 
so I'm excited to be using this podcast. And really briefly, I want to mention the, again the 456 Preteen Online Conference that is coming up this week on Thursday and Friday. If you have a preteen ministry or you just you don't have that yet, but you wish you did, but you ministered to preteens, you need to be a part of this event. It is amazing. Day one is the basics. Day two is next steps. You can go to one or the other. But there are so many amazing speakers this. Uh, Patrick Snow is going to be there. Sean Sweet, of course, he's the founder of the ministry. A whole bunch of great people you've heard of, like Jim Wyman and Ryan Frank, and a whole bunch. And then there's even more workshop leaders, and I'll be doing a workshop on bridging the gap between kids' ministry and youth ministry, and that'll be on Thursday. And so I would jump on there, invest in 456, invest in yourself, invest in your ministry, and be a part of this online conference. It's really cool. It actually is kind of like a real conference. There's like a lobby, and there's doors you can walk in. You Just like at a real conference, if you don't like the, the workshop or it's not meeting your need, you can leave, and you can go into another door, and you can join another podcast uh, just that quickly. So it's pretty crazy uh, the way it's set up. There's a resource directory. There's a resource room. You know, you go in there kind of like at a conference, but you can do it all in your pajamas from your bed at home. So go to 456. That's all spelled out, 456.org. Look under training for their online conference and uh, make sure you are a part of that if you minister to preteens. Well, if you are listening to this podcast because you saw the promo about what I learned as a youth pastor for six months, I'm really excited to share with you. But I've got to kind of fly back in time to when I was a youth. This was not my first time in charge of youth ministry or first time in leadership in youth ministry, um, but I haven't done it for a long time because I've been so blessed to be able to focus exclusively on kids. And I know many of you uh, have those dual roles where you are over like, you know, birth all the way through uh, high school and uh, hats off to you. It's a tough job to do both as I've been doing for about the last six months. But I got to go back to when I was a youth and and I want to start with what I learned just as an observer. You know, I remember having a youth pastor who was all Bible, no fun. I mean, he was a serious guy. And we dove into the Bible. I learned Bible study techniques. I did learn a lot from him, but the youth group did not get very big. And I remember looking around the youth group and thinking, man, this is staff kids, pastor kids, deacon, elder kids, and um, and a few like, you know, super devoted people's kids. Um, it really was the core kids that were already saved that were solid, but it wasn't very evangelistic. And eventually he moved out of ministry and I was too young to know whether he was let go or quit or whatever. I didn't care about that stuff. I was a youth. Um, but then we got a new youth pastor and oh man, he was cool and he was fun. I still remember he was a bodybuilder and he had a weight set in his office and he would let teens sit on the pole and he would bench press them uh, because he was just so buff. And we had so much fun. We did these scavenger hunts and everything. But I'd have to say in contrast to my all Bible, no fun guy, he was kind of all fun, no Bible. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a devotional thought or we opened in prayer or whatever, um, but it was mostly fun. And the youth group grew. It grew huge. But when he eventually moved on, it immediately uh, went back to that small group of faithful core because, you know, they, they were they were the real youth group. They were the core. Once the fun was gone, everybody else scattered. Then my dad received a call to a new ministry. We drove across the country, 
And um, I was kind of hesitantly excited about what my new youth experience would be. And that's when my youth pastor was Dan Goody. Now, I'm going to send Dan a link to this because he's still in ministry. He eventually also stepped up to being the lead pastor of that church. And I believe he's still there. Last time I checked, he has been the lead pastor there for many, many decades. But under Dan Goody, we had this great balance of fun and Bible. And we did some really incredible things. Um, we themed our youth group, uh, came with a new name, and we ended up calling it Life Come to Life, which and it stood for Love is for Everyone. In fact, when we introduced our new name, we actually had a funeral, had a funeral parlor, and we kind of buried the old youth group. Ironically, we really buried it well because I don't remember what it was called. And, um, and people came up and they shared stories and we put pictures in the casket. And it was really, it was kind of funny. It was fun, but it was somber. Um, but it was putting to rest our old ministry and then launching, you know, our youth group came to life, right? And I did the youth group newsletter. We called it Life Illustrated. And it was so much fun. But one of the things Dan did is he developed a leadership team. And I was on that leadership team. And I had the privilege of kind of seeing behind the scenes of running a youth ministry. And he included us in the planning uh, and explain the structure and the purpose. And at the end of this podcast, because I want to make sure you listen through, I'm going to reveal to you the youth group strategy that I learned from Dan Goody. It was originally, back in the day, something that he got from uh, um, Sun Life Ministries, which was doing ministries the way the Sun did. Sun Life Ministries still exists, but it's completely shifted in its focus and purpose. It's focused on discipleship now, which is totally awesome, but it's no longer a youth strategy, you know, ministry, and I've not been able to find this old Sun Life youth ministry strategy anywhere online, not even on Sun Life's website, um, and I have tweaked it and modified it over the years, so I don't even know how much of it is originally Sun Life would even recognize, but I do want to acknowledge um, that they were the core source of this strategy, and it will transform your ministry. It will give focus to your planning, focus and purpose to every event. It will actually relieve you from feeling like you have to do this and that at different events. And I'm going to share that with you last at the end of the podcast. So what I want to do is I want to focus on what are the things that I learned as being a pastor of the youth for six months. And some of these things um, weren't like, aha, Eureka, new insights, but they're things that uh, I just enjoyed um, that were fresh for me. And I got to say, I was nervous to step back into that youth role because I've been in kids ministry for so long. Youth have obviously changed. Um, the issues they face are different. The world in which they're growing up in is different. And so I, I thought, you know, I'm really a kid guy. They see me riding my unicycle around and they see me in my silly kids' church costumes, and are they even going to take me seriously? Do I have to become a really serious guy? Can I still just be fun? And I decide, you know, I'm just going to be myself. I'm probably not going to do a puppet show for the youth, but I, I'm going to just stay true to who I am and what I enjoy, and God really honored that, and it went well. So the first thing I'm going to say is that youth ministry is fun. It's really the best of both worlds because you can still have so much fun. I mean, we did, we were talking about James and where James says, do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Anyone that listens to the word, but it's not do what it says. It's like a man that looks at his face in the mirror and immediately goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, right? So we did a messy hair night and I went to the dollar store and I got every hair 
thing I could find from creams to combs. And we had kids up there and I had, a, it was a messy hair contest. And I was, I thought, man, I might get no takers, but we had so much fun. These kids were putting gel and goop and making themselves look ridiculous. And then we talked about how we, that's how we look spiritually when God shows us in the mirror what, what's out of place, but we, we don't take, make the changes. When we talked about a series I did called Alien Youth, and I, our youth group name is DV8. That's the letters D, V, and the number eight, but it stands for deviate because we want our youth to deviate from the culture and to take that narrow road, not the broad road, that leads to destruction. So when I started out, I thought, you know, I want to kind of re-focus uh, on that theme and why our youth group's called deviate. So we did an Alien Youth series, and we talked about, you know, being in the world, not of the world, and it was a great series. But to introduce it one night, we I actually brought a ton of tinfoil and had the kids make tinfoil conspiracy hats. And um, the funny thing was uh, they all eventually, after we took pictures and stuff, uh, took them off. And I forgot that I had mine on. I was sweating like crazy the entire talk. Sweats like pouring down my face. And here I got into like a serious message. But the whole time I'm wearing this tinfoil hat. Um, and so it wasn't until we were done and walking around and I went to scratch my head or something went, oh, I can't believe I'm still wearing this tinfoil hat. <laughs> I had this on the whole time, and and uh, so I, um, they they had some chuckles at my expense. But youth ministry is fun, and it's okay to have fun. In fact, you need to have fun. But what I loved about it, number two, is that you can go deeper. You know, our youth ministry is on the opposite end of the building, and I often said to the kids, I love teaching you because I can go deeper with you than I can at the other end of the building. Kids ministry, you're laying a foundation. You're getting kids excited about the Bible. You're teaching them the basics of the Bible. Of course, you're teaching them application and you're sharing the gospel. But as kids get into those teenage years, their faith begins to transition from being their the faith of their parents and starts to become the, their own faith. And so they naturally can start to ask questions and, yes, even in have doubts. And so we did an apologetic series, and we tried to do things that where we could really get deep into things. And, and I love some pretty off-the-deep-end philosophical things about the nature of the world, and, and I'm not even going to rabbit trail on the podcast here. Um, but in some Q&A times, when I kind of went those places— I was so encouraged how much the youth loved it. They loved thinking deeply. They loved asking tough questions. And so you have to have that balance of both crazy, ridiculous, messy fun, but also getting serious. And I was so encouraged to see how the youth group here at this church, that uh, just how much they uh, love the Lord or are on fire for the Lord, and they love it. Number three... I learned from watching our group, and I can't take any credit for my leadership because this was already there. And I want to say that kids not only can worship, but they can lead worship, and they can lead worship well. I just got out of the way. I am not a musician. Um, I'm comfortable on stage speaking or entertaining, but leading worship, I'm completely out of my wheelhouse. In fact, I had to find an adult leader who would kind of step in and fill that role of worship band rehearsals and what songs they're going to sing and all that, because that was just not something that it would have gone downhill if I had been in charge of it. And we would have been singing, you know, kids songs, you know, if you're happy and you know, clap your hands. And I don't think the teenagers want to do that. So uh, but they can lead worship. And so they led worship. They played instruments. They rehearsed. They take it so seriously. 
And that was just such an encouragement to me to see that worship isn't something that is in kids ministry. We're trying to compel them to worship. We're trying to model it. And yes, kids can worship and they probably can even lead in worship, but not at the level and the depth that the youth can. And so give them that opportunity and unleash them and give some authority to them to lead in worship. Now, here's a funny one. I learned that social media is how kids connect. And one of the funniest things I learned is uh, I got the access to our Facebook page, and I thought, okay, I'm going to use this Deviate Youth Group Facebook page to communicate. The kids, like, Facebook's for old people. And it's funny because it started as a youth, you know, website, college website, and now all old people use it. That's how you think of it. So putting things on Facebook, like if we had to cancel because of snow or uh, event announcements, that was for communicating with the parents, all right? The kids never looked at that. In fact, if you've noticed, if you follow me, and I've been more active on Instagram, I had an Instagram account because I wanted to snag my name years ago. I was more Facebook-focused and uh, Twitter, and I've made a complete shift to Instagram because that was how I could communicate with the young people, and that's what they love. And so every week, I tried to capture pictures of the games. I'm finally getting into the stories and figuring that out. Uh, it goes against my nature because I like to invest in things with longevity. So put, putting something that's going to be gone in 24 hours, to me, feels like a waste of time or a waste of effort. And yet I'm learning that people live in the now, and that's a good thing, right? Um, and so that's so powerful with the youth. And so I started making highlight videos and pushing them out to social media and just trying to capture pictures, not only of the fun and the games and the messy hair and the tinfoil hats and the alien games that we played, but also just pictures of the kids worshiping, pictures of uh, the small group leaders or of a, of a leader teaching or a panel discussion that we did. And, uh, and so that was so powerful. But I learned you got to utilize social media if you're going to be in youth ministry. The next thing I learned to be a little more serious is, is they have real struggles. Um, in our small group times, uh, as kids would share the struggles that they are facing at school and in the home and in their own personal lives, um, it's, some, it's some tough stuff. And, and kids are facing some real struggles. And it meant so much to me when kids would open up to me or pull me aside. Um, recently, uh, one young person, literally in tears as she described just her doubts and her struggles um, and what's going on in her life. And so I prayed with her and I connected her to one of our female leaders uh, to be able to go a little further in encouraging her and, uh, and pouring into her. But these kids have real struggles. You know, I remember years ago when I got one of my first opportunities to preach, I prepared for weeks. I went up there and I preached a sermon. It was full of Bible references and cross-references and jokes and quotes and stories. And when it was all done, I thought I'd done a bang-up job. And so I kind of went to my boss to say, hey, you know, give me some feedback. How the sermon go? And it was so funny because he said, oh, Carl, that's got to be the best sermon I've ever heard. You had Bible references and cross-references and quotes from all over the Bible. And you had famous people quotes and you had poignant stories and perfect timed humor. And I'm thinking, oh, I did a really good job. And then he kind of ended by saying, but Carl, 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 it was like drinking from a fire hose. And he said, you know, people don't need all of the living water in one sermon. They just need enough to get them through next week. They just need a cup of the living water. And I always love that. In fact, I've even taken it further in kids ministry and said, just give them a Dixie cup 
of truth that they can take home that week and apply that week because if you meet their needs this week, they're going to come back next week for some more of that living water. And I found that's really true um, with the youth. We need to give them something tangible and practical and real um, that they can do and apply from uh, to face those struggles. Um, but don't feel like you've got to solve all the issues of being a teenager in in, this, in 2020 um, on one night because obviously you can't. But even if you could, it, it'd be overkill. So the next thing I learned, and it relates to this, is that they need a safe place to talk. They need permission to ask any question, even questions about doubt or struggle or what's going on. And in that safe place, it's so important. I love that that was already established in the youth group here at my church, where we have the large corporate teaching and the large corporate worship, but then we break into small groups. With the younger ones, we break up by boys and girls. With the older ones, we kept them together because, frankly, as high schoolers, they kind of want to be, the guys want to be with the girls and vice versa. Um, But breaking them off uh, helps have some privacy and trust if they want to talk about issues that they might be awkward with the other sex there. Um, But you got to have those safe places. And I love that that already existed. Um, I would roam from group to group sometimes because our leaders owned them. If a leader wasn't there one night, then of course I would step in. And I loved seeing the different kinds of conversations that these young people had all the way down from the 6th and 7th graders all the way up to the 11th and 12th graders. And we have such incredible leaders here that know how to draw out of them what they're thinking, um, what their struggles are. Of course, you've got those quiet kids, and so you've got you've to ask them direct questions to kind of elicit a response from them. Um, you have to respect when they don't want to talk. Sometimes you can go up to them one-on-one if you see what they're struggling and say, hey, kind of what did you think about our talk tonight? But they need that safe place. The last thing I'm going to say, number seven, before I get into that incredible youth ministry strategy that you're really hanging on for, is that if you build it, they will come. Probably one of the most encouraging things to me in the short time that I served as the youth pastor here at my church is how many kids come to youth group. I mean, on Sunday nights, we pack out the youth room. And, and it was consistently growing. Then we launched a small group on a midweek night. It started out with a dozen kids, and it grew to almost being half the size of the Sunday night um, major youth group. And uh, if you are meeting their needs, if you're doing these things where you're connecting with them, it's fun, you're going deeper, you're letting them uh, ask questions and talk about what's going on in their lives, they will come. You know, we planned some social events, and they came to those events. We did a Thanksgiving dinner, and they came in droves. That was probably more about the food than anything else. Um, but but if you build a solid, quality ministry, the kids will come. And yes, our kids today are busy. They're in sports. They're in music. They're in theater. They've got overwhelming schoolwork responsibilities. Often they said, I've got a major test tomorrow, and I don't feel ready, and, and can, I, can you pray for me? And I'm thinking, and you came to youth group? I mean, they prioritized coming to youth group even when they were facing easy excuses to just kind of push their relationship with God and with the, with the church fellowship aside, and they didn't. And I thought that was awesome. All right. This is it. You've been waiting for it. All right. I'm going to try to unpack this quickly. But at the end, I'm going to give you a link to where you can read it online in greater detail. But the, the strategy is called the program pyramid. And what it means 
is that you don't try to meet the needs of every kid at every event. So if you could picture a pyramid, and uh, I'll, I'll show it to the, those of you watching on video um, in a little bit. Um, picture a three-leveled pyramid. The bottom's obviously the biggest. Then you've got the medium. Then you've got the small one on top. And the reason it's a pyramid is because they're collapsible. The kids in those higher two levels they drop down into the bottom level. That bottom level is the curious level. These are kids that are just spiritually curious, all right? They may or may not be a Christian. Um, their uh, focus is that they just want to have fun. And your strategy at that stage is evangelism. And so when you do a curious level event, you don't have to worry about appealing to the other two levels because they will all enjoy those fun events. That's your scavenger hunt. We went disc golfing. That could be a Nerf Wars. You know, that can be, you know, a church escape. Um, and if you go to kidology.org forward slash Nerf Wars or escape, you can download my whole uh, packages of all the files for doing events like that. The next level up is the committed. And the committed kids are ones that have made a commitment to Christ so they're Christians, all right? And their focus is not so much laughter like the curious, it's learning, right? They want to learn more about the Bible. They want to learn more about their Christian faith. And our focus as leaders at that point shifts from evangelism to education, all right? The final tier at the top of this pyramid is the core, all right? And I loved in Dan Goody's youth group that I was a part of that core. I was part of the kids that were challenged and invited to be leaders in the youth group. And we were taught ministry principles. So you shift from a focus of laughing to learning to actually leading. And the, that's the kids' focus. And then ours focus as leaders shifts from evangelism to education to equipping them to serve. Um, I am obviously in full-time pastoral ministry. I can't tell you how many of the core of my youth group have gone on to ministry. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have to go into professional ministry. What it means is they go into leadership in the church. We need lay leaders in the church, right? And so they move on and become leaders in the ministry wherever they go, whether it's a career or whether it is just they're those awesome deacons and elders and Sunday school leaders and small group leaders because they've been trained. So I'm going to show my little hand-drawn picture here to the screen, and there you can see, oh, does it reverse the image? The curious, the committed, the core, where there, the kids' focus is laughing, then learning, then leading, and our focus as leaders is evangelism, then education, and then equipping. And of course, I love alliteration. I love the laughing, learning, leading. I love the evangelism, education, equipping, and I love the curious, committed, and core. But what this means is when you plan youth events, you ask yourself, which group are we targeting? If this is a curious level event, gasp, you don't have to even have the worship band there. Now, you could choose to, but you don't have to. You don't have to do an in-depth Bible study. You don't even have to pray. You don't even have to open in prayer. Usually, I think it's fine to open in prayer. You're at a youth group event, but you can just have fun. You can have a youth group night at one of those bouncing places or a laser tag or mini golf or whatever. And if it's a curious level event, your goal is that the kids are laughing and your goal is evangelism because what's going to happen is eventually you're going to do a harvest event and you're going to move them up to that next category. So if you're doing something that is for the committed level, so our Sunday nights 
are curious. We do do worship and we do have a message, but we wanted to make it fun. And so we started doing a strategy where once a month or every six weeks or so, we would just have a curious level night. And we actually wouldn't do worship. We would do a bunch of crazy games or we would do a meal and try to invite kids. And those are the nights we want them to bring their friends because they're going to come to church. They're not going to be wigged out by all the spiritual stuff. And they're going to see that church is cool. The leaders are fun. The other teenagers look just like them and talk just like them and, and facing all the same things they are. And then they're going to be, they're going to want to come back. That committed level, you don't even have to worry about that fun factor. Our midweek Bible study, they were using right now media and doing uh, video Bible studies, getting into the Word of God, just starting out with a prayer time, what's going on in your life, thumbs up, thumbs down, sharing. Um, they call it happies and crappies in some of the groups. And then just diving into a study, and at the end of the study, talking about it, and then leaving. No crazy, messy game, no worship band, because it is that committed group. And they, they want to learn, and you want to educate them. And then the goal is to eventually build a core, to build a youth ministry leadership team. That did not happen here because I was a transition pastor. If I were a full-time youth pastor, then I would be developing or curious to grow our numbers. I'd be establishing the committed to make sure they're learning and being rooted. We're making disciples, all with the goal of eventually creating a core leadership team. And they would be brought into the inside. They would be a part of planning out what are we going to teach? What are the needs that kids are facing? Training them to do ministry, teaching them how to engage in conversation. I remember uh, teaching leadership teams in the past, you know, my little um, find out where someone's from go through their family, their recreation, their occupation, and try to find out what motivates them in life. Training them, if you see a kid that's off to the side, kind of new, kind of nervous, kind of shy, you know, a grown-up walking to them and welcoming them is not as impactful as one of their peers walking up and saying, hey, where do you go to school? Do you live in the area? You knew? Hi, my name's so-and-so. What's your name? And later saying, hey, man, I hope you had a good time. See you next week. If a, if a youth leader does that, and I mean a youth leader, not a youth leader, the adults that are youth leaders, I mean a youth, an actual youth that is a leader, invites a kid, invi invites them to come back, it has a tremendous impact. And they, they pray for the group, they plan the outreaches. You know, what better way to know what youth will come to than having a core team where you say, hey, I got this great idea, you might pitch it, and they all might look at you like, uh, Pastor Carl, maybe that was cool in the 80s. Uh, but this is the, tw the 20s, uh, they ain't going to fly. You need that. You need a leadership team of kids to help you do that, all right? So you need to change things up. You need that strategy, but breaking the mold um, does help with some of my notes here. We did a reverse night. If you're always doing, you know, welcome, game, uh, worship, lessons, small groups, you can shake that up. One night you can start out with small groups, and you can end with a game, or you can end with worship. Um, and you can, oh, I'm just reading my notes here. Or you can do a fun night where you don't do all those other things. So write, you can actually make that box on some paper, the curious, the committed, the core. Write down those goals of laughing, learning, leading, evangelism, education, equipping. And then look at your overall ministry, what you're already doing. Say, where do these events or programs fit into that program pyramid? And yes, there's going to be overlap. It's never going to be perfect, but it, it gives you permission to focus on what matters most at that level and not feel like you have to do that for everybody. Does that make sense? All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Kidman Talk number 100. 
and 28. Man, I can't believe it's been that many. As always, I love to hear from you, whether it's through email or Facebook comments or wherever. Let me know if there's something you'd like me to address on the show. Check out the 456 Conference. And until next time, thanks for joining me here on Kidman Talk. Kidman Talk.